church is shaking his hand, hi, how you doing, and so forth. But knowing his sons, who they are, um, it was an interesting funeral to be a part of. Not be a part of, but to witness. Right? Because the worst thing you can say at a funeral is he's in a better place for those that are grieving. He is in a better place. While that is true, death is still a reality, and it hurts, and it's painful. So while I've been watching a lot of NBA playoffs, one thing keeps occurring. There is a whole lot of arguing with the refs. There is so much arguing with the refs, it's unbelievable. Mainly because they feel like they are being cheated by the refs. Justice has not been served correctly. And so they are demonstrative towards the ref. And they act out and they say certain things they probably won't even tell their mom or their girlfriends. But we have an interesting passion for justice that's built into our core. That's why when we turn on the news and we see something unjust, we get upset. It causes a a visceral reaction out of us. We love seeing justice being served. There is a particular reason why there are so many law and order and CSI investigation shows. It's like half a dozen of them. They're on all day, every day. Throw on the other dozen of police and cop shows. We love law and justice being served. And today, let's not move past to Easter Sunday. Let's focus on Good Friday. Let's make it a reality. And so like some of those investigators and people that go in and view the crime scene, we're going to take a look at that today. I want you to put yourself in there. I want you to take it personally. We must look personally at the cross to know what happened. I am not, I would never been good in an acting job. Okay? I'm not very expressive. I don't carry my emotions on my sleeve. I'm very monotone sometimes, right? I would not be a very good actor. But in some of those Law and Order shows, I can be a good jury. I can be one of those extras. I can be an extra. So today, we're an extra. We're sitting in the courtroom, and we're going to listen to these witnesses talking about what happened on that day. So for our first witness, we're going to call a disciple who he self-proclaimed that Jesus loved the most. And we'll be turning to John chapter 19. I will call this the eyewitness account. Pay attention to the sights, the sounds. Picture what you might hear, the smell. What is going on while we read this scripture? Verse 16. Finally, Pilate handed him over to them to be crucified. So the soldiers took charge of Jesus. Carrying his own cross, he went out to the place of the skull. There they crucified him, 
and with them two others, one on each side and Jesus in the middle. When the soldiers crucified Jesus, they took his clothes, divided them into four shares, one for each of them with the undergarment remaining. This garment was seamless, woven in one piece from top to bottom. Verse 24 says, Let's not tear it, they said to one another. Let's decide by lot who will get it. This happened so that scripture might be fulfilled that said, They divided my clothes among them and cast lots for my garment. So this is what the soldiers did. Near the cross of Jesus stood his mother, his mother's sister, a.k.a. his aunt, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother there and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to her, Woman, here is your son. And to the disciple, here is your mother. From that time on, this disciple took her into his home. Yesterday, I got to share a pretty awesome evening with my mom. Got to go to a Chris Tomlin concert. It was awesome. To see 12, 15,000 people all worshiping at the same time is something that I encourage all of you to be taken part of. Fills you up. To hear 12, 10, 15,000 people, you hear the echoes reverberate around the stadium. It's something that's truly special. And the last time we had gone to a Chris Tomlin concert, it was the second time we went, my mom was recovering from breast cancer surgery. So to be able to go back four years later and share another night with her was pretty special. It's always interesting because you can hear two voices out of the crowd, no matter what age you are, your coach and your mom's. You can always pick out mom's voice. I don't care who you are. It could be 30,000 people screaming. It could be, I guarantee you, Pat Mahomes, here's his mom at Arrowhead Stadium. I could be sitting there. My mom was interesting, right? Sometimes I'll have a bloody nose or I twist an ankle and I look to mom for help. And she would say, get up, walk it off. Well, thanks, Mom. I was trying to, you know, get some sympathy here. Get back into the game. I could imagine the look of despair that Jesus looked, saw his mother, and the look she had in his face, on her face. I couldn't imagine that. In his moment of greatest pain, he took the time to acknowledge her and make sure that she was going to be taken care of. 28. Later, knowing that everything had been finished and so that the scripture would be fulfilled, Jesus said, I am thirsty. A jar of wine vinegar was there, so they soaked a sponge in it put the sponge on a stalk of the hyssop plant and lifted it to Jesus' lip, lips. 
When he had received the drink, Jesus said, it is finished. With that, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. I don't care who you are. You may not be a believer. But I guarantee you, if you ever watch The Passion of Christ or the Bible series or whatever they do to reenact Jesus on the cross, you cannot help but to be moved. You have to be a cold-blooded individual not to feel for that individual. The beatings, the thorns, the king of the Jews over his head, his mother crying right there. You have to be a cold individual not to feel some sympathy behind that. But Jesus' crucifixion was not a random event. It said in the scriptures that such and such would be fulfilled. And I was reading this and something stood up. Because in the footnotes, it quotes Psalm 22. I have read Psalms 22 a lot. But never in this way. Because now you can imagine John getting off the witness stand. And the judge is saying, would you like to call your next witness? Yes, I would like to call the defendant, Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Now, Psalms 22 is credited to be a writing of David. We'll see if you still feel that way once we get through with this. The defendant account. Verse 1. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Sound familiar? Why are you so far from saving me? So far my cries of anguish. My God, I cry out by day, but you do not answer. By night I find no rest. By day on the cross, I was calling out for you. I can't find you. I was sleepless the night before. From the garden to the cross, he cried out. Yet you are enthroned as the Holy One. You are the one Israel praises. In you, our ancestors put their trust. They trusted and you delivered them. To you they cried out and were saved. In you they, were tr they trusted and were not put to shame. Sounds like someone's trying to remember past miracles. Times where he stood up for his people. Times where cries were heard and God showed up and delivered. But I am a worm and not a man, scorned by everyone, despised by the people. All who see me mock me. They hurl insults, shaking their heads. He trusts in the Lord, they say. Let the Lord rescue him. Let him deliver him, since he delights in him.
what David's painting a picture here is a crucifixion. When David is writing this, the Roman Empire is not around. Crucifixion will not be invented for another 700 years. David never went through a sight like this in his life. So if some of you have been to a Bible study, how could David write with such great detail? We know the same Holy Spirit that's in Jesus Christ is telling, telling David what to write, what's about to happen, what is going on. I imagine Jesus might be whispering in his ear. This is the vision that I'm going to see while I'm hanging here, while I'm carrying my cross and people are slanging insults at me. My friends, my disciples have abandoned me. The only one that hasn't is my mother. Yet you brought me out of the womb. You made me trust in you, heaving at my mother's breast. From birth I was cast on you. From my mother's womb you have been my God. Do not be far from me, for trouble is near, and there is no one to help. Many bulls surround me. Strong bulls of Bashan encircle me. Roaring lions that tear their prey open their mouths wide against me. I am poured out like water, and all of my bones are out of joint. My heart has turned to wax. It has melted within me. My mouth is dried up like a pot shirt, and my tongue sticks to the roof of my mouth. You lay me in the dust of death. Togs surround me. A pack of villains encircle me. They pierce my hands and feet. All my bones are on display. People stare and gloat over me. They divide my clothes among them and cast lots for my garment. I can imagine Jesus sitting on the cross, seeing the sights, the sounds, the voices, the pain that's rushing through his body. Probably so much pain that he's in shock. He knew from the beginning what he was getting himself into. I always ask my kids, what would you prefer, knowing how you're going to die or when you're going to die? I'll ask a third question, and why you're going to die. Most of us will never know, be able to get the chance to know in this lifetime why. Some people volunteer for armed services and they get into combat and stuff. They know their why. They would have to know their why to put themselves in harm's way like that. 
most of us will never know our why. If I knew when, I can make sure everything on my bucket list is crossed off. I'll get my skydiving trip in. <laughs> I will make sure my savings account is emptied out. <laughs> Sorry, kids, you ain't getting none. I will, if I know how I'm going to die, I will do my best to avoid that situation at all costs. If I'm going to drown, I'm taking showers for the rest of my life. I'm not getting in the pool. I'm not going to no lakes or ponds. I'm not even taking my chance in a puddle. I am trying to avoid that as long as I can. I can imagine Jesus whispering in David's ear, this is my lot. This is my path. This is a bone-chilling perspective that I haven't personally done until I started studying this. To see Jesus, the sights, the sounds, they mocking him by saying king of the Jews in three different languages. They have a crown of thorns on his head. But he knows his why. But you, Lord, do not be far from me. You are my strength. Come quickly to help me. Deliver me from the sword, my precious life from the power of the dogs. Rescue me from the mouth of the lions. Save me for the horns of the wild oxen. One last cry for help. But then 22 shifts perspective. This is why he is on the cross. The reason I'm on the cross is on verse 22 says, I will declare your name to my people. In the assembly, I will praise you. You who fear the Lord, praise him. All you descendants of Jacob, honor him. Revere him, all you descendants of Israel. For he who has not despise or scorn the suffering of the afflicted one. He has not hidden his face from him, but he has listened to his cry for help. From you comes the theme of my praise in the great assembly. Before those who fear you, I will fulfill my vows. The poor will eat and be satisfied. Those who seek the Lord will praise him. May your hearts live forever. All the ends of the earth remember and turn to the Lord. And all the families of the nations will bow down before him. For dominion belongs to the Lord and he rules over all nations. All the rich of the earth will feast and worship. All who go down to the dust will kneel before him. Those who cannot keep themselves alive, posterity will serve them. Future generations will be told about the Lord. They will proclaim his righteousness, declaring to the people yet unborn, he has done it. It is finished. He knew his lot in life. He knew what was going to happen to him. He knew the course that was set before him. 
the same God that was whispering in David's ear, giving him a detailed account. David thought he was writing a song. He gave us Jesus' perspective from the cross. The scene that always gets me, no matter how many times I see it, is the nails. I can be tough through the whippings. I can bow my head down through the carrying of the cross. Just kind of get me through this. But when those nails come out, and that arm is stretched out, And I hear that. That metal on metal. And the excruciating scream. I hear my pornography addiction driving that nail in. I hear my lies. I hear my gossip. I hear my lust. I hear my jealousy. I hear my sexual temptations. Whatever you're thinking about, That's what breaks me every single time. It could have been me making fun of him driving the nails in. I like, I'm a competitive guy. I won't want to roll dice or whatever they're doing to determine how he's going to win his garments. Knowing what he went through for me draws me much closer to him. My sister is an audience. And like kids, we would get in trouble. Thankfully, we had a close enough relationship. She may remember differently, but she doesn't have a mic. But I do not recall a time where I let her take the blame for something I did. I may have gotten really close. Knowing I did, oh no, she did it, she did it, she did it. And then when my parents wanted to put that hand back, the stomach of her suffering for something I did, I couldn't stomach. So then I would fess up. No, 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 it, it, it was me. It was me, and then I will probably get a worse beating. I couldn't have for I couldn't stomach the thought for my sister, but yet I so willingly let him do it. 
I let him be my bondsman and get me out of jail. Hopefully some of you aren't still calling him to bail you out. Because if you love him, how could you continue to live in that and not make changes to your life? Because he has completely paid the ransom. And if you trust in him, you can't help but have a changed life. I know DJ usually does this message. And he's got a lot of jokes. And he makes it a fun time. Unfortunately, I got called off the bench. DJ is with his family because his stepfather is being taken off life support. We definitely want to send our prayers for that family. But we know death is reality. None of us escape it without facing it. Some of you may have been grieving personally yourselves. I see the looks on some of your faces. Some of you are grieving for Jesus right now. And that's okay. Because Sunday for part two, I won't tell him at the funeral that he's in a better place. But like CSI, let's say, on coming up next week, they have given a preview. The preview looks a lot better. Thank you. I'm going to invite Pastor Fields up here. Stay. 